Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of Spill the OT podcast. And today I'm really excited. We have on Melissa LaPointe, and she's an OT turned consultant and mindset coach. She's based out of British Columbia, Canada. And with over 13 years clinical experience in both pediatric and women's health, she's now a full-time virtual business owner that supports OTs around the globe with a special interest in women's health and entrepreneurship. And this was a little bit of a lengthier episode, so I'm going to try and keep this intro brief. That way you're not listening to this forever. But she had some really good information, especially if you've ever considered opening your own business or if you've considered doing like a non-clinical role within OTPT or speech she has a lot of resources that can help you actually like figure out do I have the skills or do I have the desire to become an entrepreneur. It's kind of tailored for those who are wanting to work in women's health, but I think that you could still benefit from like bits and pieces of what she has to say to figure out do you want to go down the road of starting your own business or are you somebody who works better like for a specific company. Uh, She does touch on pediatrics and women's health in general, so there's some really cool tips in here too. And before we get too far, I want to say a huge, huge, huge thank you to everybody who's been rating and reviewing the podcast. I also want to apologize if you guys listened to the last one. I like to read the ratings and reviews on here, and that includes the good and the bad. So I feel like I scared poor, what was her name, S-F-L-O-T, because she went back and changed it to 5 out of 5. So I'm not trying to bully you. I sincerely appreciate it, but please, I'm not trying to bully anybody. It's just that the positive reviews help the podcast become more known, and I was kindly encouraging people to just move right along if they didn't like it rather than leave a negative review. So I hope you did not feel like I was bullying you, but I seriously appreciate it. So thank you. And I got one more new one from Paula OTRL. She wrote informative and entertaining as an OT and now DOR. I appreciate the honesty in the podcast. So thank you, Paula. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Just be open and honest about all that is this therapy world. Also, I've been getting a lot more emails from you guys, so it's really cool and exciting. A couple of you have been asking about assistive technology and you want me to do an episode specific to that on here, so I will get to that soon. Also, I am doing a Q&A either next week or the following week, so if you have any questions, it can be about absolutely anything, and I'll try and do a little bit of research. It can be personal, it can be about OT, it can be about whatever you want. It's just going to be like an open Q&A section. So please email me at spilltheot at gmail.com. Also, people have been asking for episodes. Um, One person emailed me a couple days ago, and I thought it was so cool. She wanted an episode on a therapist who works in a prison as well as a therapist that's worked in hospice. Believe it or not, I had a much easier time finding therapists who've worked in prisons. So if you are somebody who works in hospice, can you please consider coming on here? I'm a little bit confused because I think usually if the VNA is out there, they either have you choose the therapy route or the hospice route. So maybe that's why I'm finding a harder time. So far, I've found like PTs that have done positioning. I found a couple of OTs who have done caregiver training with their families. But if you're somebody who does this kind of full-time, your main gig is to work with people who are on hospice, I would love to hear from you. And then my last little piece of housekeeping, I got a couple of emails saying that you really want episodes to come out on a timely schedule. 
so I'm going to do my best. I do work full time, so I've been doing this on the side. And believe it or not, the editing takes quite a bit of time. So I'm going to try to commit to a Monday release schedule. So I'm letting this one out today. It's February 4th, and I will try and get ahead so that you can have an episode every Monday. That's going to be my promise to you occasionally. I might not be able to deliver on time, but there might be the occasional weekend where I can get it in early. So I'm going to aim for Monday, and I'm trying my best, okay? So enough about me. Um, let's get Melissa on here and enjoy the show. Bye. Okay, so thank you for having me, and I am thrilled to be chatting all about women's health because it's definitely a passion of mine. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, Melissa LaPointe, and I've been practicing as an OT in different variations for almost 14 years now. Um, I first started, so I graduated in 2005 and was very passionate about pediatrics. Um, I knew without a doubt that's where I wanted to be my entire life up until that point. I had been working in daycare, special needs worker, had been shadowing other therapists related to peds. Uh, um, literally within hours, I flew across the country to accept a job in pediatrics. It was a nonprofit organization where I was with the early intervention team. I had the opportunity to work with speech pathology, to work with physiotherapy, um, so more of a traditional early intervention practice. Um, and my areas of interest, pretty much right off the bat, were in sensory processing. Um, so one of the first courses that I, that I went to and the OT that I was mentoring um, had a very strong foundation in sensory processing. And my background is biology and psychology. So I found that sensory processing, the science of attachment and neurobiology really helped integrate everything for me because at this point um, you name it like children with anxiety uh, children apprehended in the foster care system I was often the first point of contact so a lot of developmental trauma we had developmental disabilities learning disabilities um, a lot of our children with early intervention didn't even have a diagnosis yet and you're doing a lot of parental mental health as well, and a lot in terms of community health promotion, community development. Uh, so I think that's why I liked it as much as I did, because it was never boring. So I was in that area of practice for seven years. And you know everything from adaptive equipment, spinal cord injury, brain injury, through to mental health, infant development, we were doing a little bit of everything. Um, <clears throat> so it was when I became pregnant myself that I was like, oh, wait a minute, all of this knowledge that I know as a pediatric practitioner also applies in so many ways to early brain development in utero. And I want to be as strong and as healthy as possible. Um, and I think that was my first wake up call from a consumer standpoint in terms of finding evidence-based, science-informed research and resources and programs for pregnant women who don't just want to survive during pregnancy, but who really want to thrive. So that's when I really took it to the next level in terms of women's health coaching, in terms of more um, like movement-based practice, nutrition, even in terms of complementary and integrative medicine. I uh, was a little weary of it, perhaps. Um, but when I was pregnant, I just, you know, I went all in. I went all in in terms of health and wellness and was really open and curious about a lot of different things. When I was pregnant, uh, so I'm in Canada. We have a one-year maternity leave. And after I had my little guy, so I did require an emergency C-section. And 
you know, was fully supported. My birthing experience was really positive. Um, and then afterwards, was a little bit surprised that, you know, I've worked in orthopedics. Um, if you have hip surgery, if you have back surgery, you have a fairly strict rehab protocol. You have a therapist come and talk to you. And here I am, I had just had major abdominal surgery. And now I have an infant that I'm not supposed to carry if it's in, if he's in his car seat, because that's too heavy. And really that were the only precautions uh, that were given to me at the time was don't lift the baby in the car seat. And my rehab, like it was great. Um, I had no complications. I felt really strong. And that really helped take the next step in terms of more knowledge, training, education around infant, so like infant development, but supporting the mother and really understanding that for me to be stronger from the inside out, what an impact that has on my child, on his development. Uh, because he was a very sensitive child. He didn't sleep very well. Um, I was wearing him in a baby carrier all the time because that seemed to be the only way that he was regulated. And just so many challenges that came with that. Again, not that far postpartum into my C-section recovery. Uh, and knowing how much he would benefit from movement, how much he would benefit from floor time, how much he would benefit from more of those typical activities you would do in a mom and baby group. Uh, and it was hard, like it was physically hard work until I figured out how to navigate that role, how to incorporate props, how to understand pelvic floor health and core health a little bit better um, in understanding the breath. So I was really going further in yoga, Pilates, um, I did training in my prenatal postnatal fitness certification because at that time, so that was in 2011, 2012, and at that time to do professional education as an occupational therapist in prenatal postnatal health, there were not a lot of options. So you really had to advocate like, oh, wait, can I do this? I'm not, I'm not a personal trainer, but I am a health professional, <laughs> um, which still, you know, felt a little just even that we had to advocate, but people don't always know what OT is. So to help them understand, like, yes, I have the ability, the knowledge, the skill set to be here. Um, and I think it was, you know, again, overcoming imposter syndrome from my standpoint as well. Um, in hey, I do belong here, uh, especially once I started venturing into the world of physiotherapy and attending the physio courses. Uh, so when my little guy was nine months old, I still had a little bit of time left on maternity leave. And that's when I made the decision to quit my job uh, and venture into the world of entrepreneurship. At that time, I didn't really know what that meant. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I was very sleep deprived. Uh, but I pulled the bandaid and off I went. So just invested a little bit more in terms of my own training. So I told everyone I was on a um, a personal development sabbatical of sorts. And then when I started my private practice, uh, it was traditional pediatrics. So a lot of school-age pediatrics working with uh, children with anxiety, children with autism, children with Asperger's. But I integrated that with cash-based prenatal postnatal services. Hey everybody, I am so genuinely excited to tell you about MedBridge. So MedBridge is a continuing ed site and they have tons of continuing ed courses all available online. You can stream them at your own pace. They also have home exercise plans, which are incredible. You can literally build your own plan with pictures that can 
perfectly suit whatever client you're working for. It's honestly so awesome. And you get unlimited CEUs. And these CEU courses are just really intriguing and exciting. Like it's, I've done continuing at online in the past and these ones that they select are just very much in line with what I find interesting. And I feel like you might find them interesting as well. So are you struggling with finding the resources for your time for CEUs with almost 2000 accredited evidence-based streaming courses, live CEU webinars, MedBridge is your all-in-one solution. And actually, if you use my code, it's spill the OT, capital S, capital T, capital OT. So spill the OT, one word, capital S, capital T, capital OT. You can get $175 off of your year-long subscription, which is awesome. I mean, that's like significant amount of money off. So if you are interested, please go check it out. Again, use the code spill the OT, capital S, capital T, capital OT, all one word. All right. I really hope that you go check it out. Enjoy. Um, so I did a lot. Um, I always called myself a pelvic health advocate. I am not trained to do internal assessments. I am not a pelvic floor specialist. So I was running mom and baby groups. Um, I was running, so I had one-on-one uh, -on -one prenatal, postnatal clients that I was seeing. Um, I was charging, so cash-based at that time, um, was probably charging less than what I should have been, didn't know any better. Uh, so I practiced in prenatal, postnatal health uh, for about four years, and then I started adding on, um, I was investing like an arm and a leg every few months in terms of training and professional development. I think in part because I was not super confident with my role, um, was still doing a lot of trailblazing and a lot of advocating that, hey, OTs belong in women's health. Uh, so at that time is when I had started the Women's Health OT Facebook group. Um, I invited six of my friends and asked them to please join so I wasn't the only one in the group, is how that group first, <laughs> first started in 2014. Uh, so we're now at 2,400 members around the world, and we have, like, uh, I think there are 13 different countries in that group, just helping one another feel like, hey, we're not the only ones doing this, because when you're trailblazing, there's a sense of excitement until that wears off, and then it's like, oh, what does my intake form look like, because I've never seen a prenatal, postnatal intake form from, from another OT. Then in 2017, um, it was in June 2017, I had approached a business advisor because I was capping in terms of, just felt like I was hitting a plateau in terms of the revenue that I was bringing in. And when she did a bit of an audit on what I was doing and the different services and the different products I was trying to grow, she had said, the reason that you're plateauing is that you, like you're doing too many things and you need to simplify. So you need to either go online or go brick and mortar. Like at this stage, you're, that's why you're struggling. And then she said, you know, I can help you reach your revenue goals with your brick and mortar in a heartbeat. Um, how would you feel if I told you you had to give up your online piece? And I said, well, I don't feel very good about that. And she said, well, what if I told you in order to continue working with me, like giving up your online piece is the best decision? And I said, well, then I would say I need to find a different business advisor. Like I really, at that point, I had such a, such a beautiful connection with so many OTs around the world. I was mentoring some of them, um, collaborating on projects, really, you know, we, we talk, like I have a solid group that we talk with, we talk and we support one another quite frequently. And I said, no, I'm not giving that up. Like it fills my cup in such a way that 
um, I'm not willing to give that up. So that was in June and literally two weeks later, um, I live in an area of British Columbia where the wildfires got quite bad in 2017 uh, and we were evacuated for two months. So when we were evacuated for two months, um, for me to come back from that, it meant taking a loan to get caught up on the brick and mortar piece or looking at a transition. Uh, so that was the time I decided, you know, now is as good of a time as any. So I gave myself six months to transition out of that clinical role and mentor another therapist to take on my caseload. Um, I did decide to dissolve the business aspect of that and go all in with my consulting and coaching in terms of my online work. Um, so now that's what I do. I'm more in a mentoring, consulting. I do mindset coaching. I work strictly, well, I shouldn't say strictly with occupational therapists. I have the odd physio, but I work primarily with OBs. Uh, I had some CODAs, and I have quite a few students that have reached out to me. Um, I create a lot of content. I am a lifelong learner, so I invest in a lot of programs, and that's a big part of my day now. But then what I do is I disseminate that information out to other occupational therapists. Um, many of them are interested in starting a business. Some, are, some of the OTs in my community are trying to figure out how they can integrate women's health into their work without starting a business. So some of them do not want to be an entrepreneur. So I help in terms of consulting. Um, so I have some that are working at hospitals trying to create programs, so more in that consulting role. Uh, we have some that are you know, some OTs in our community. So when I say my community, so I have my free women's health OT Facebook group, but then we have a business academy. So that's a membership community where you can join and we have group coaching, we have special guest interviews, uh, where I do audits on like Instagram accounts and website copy. Uh, so really just working to support one another and growing a thriving business from the inside out. Uh, so when I talk community, I suppose I have two different ones. Um, because this work, especially in terms of entrepreneurship, um, especially if you're developing a professional, or excuse me, a personal brand. Uh, one of my mentors recently said, when you're creating a personal brand, it's like personal development, personal growth on steroids. It is hard work. Uh, and especially for health professionals, um, so much of our training has been to think small, to not stand out. Um, you know, you promote the profession as a whole, but you shouldn't promote yourself as an individual. And guess what? If you're in business, that is, that's really hard. Uh, there are a lot of obstacles to overcome, a lot of mindset blocks that, that therapists need to overcome with that. Um, so I feel it's a very alternative approach to OT, and I call myself a non-clinical OT now. Um, so I'm not currently practicing uh, in that more traditional sense, but I'm still, like, I still wear that OT hat um, proudly, and I still feel, like, I'm still referring to notes and training and following a lot in terms of OT podcasts, in terms of OT blogs, and I think since I've pulled back from that clinical role, I'm able to do that more thoroughly than I was before, uh, so now I'm working less, but feeling as though I'm accomplishing more because I'm not spread out so thin and I'm not trying to do 800 things. Now I'm just trying to do 300 things. I feel like you touch on so many good points of just the non-clinical aspects that are possible. And I think you'll be a really good resource because a lot of people don't know where to begin or what steps to even take in the right direction. Can we go back to what it looked like when you were working in your private practice? Like what a typical day looked like there? Yeah, no, totally. So when I was working in women's health, um, so I'd started in prenatal, postnatal. And when I say started, um, it's interesting when you're a rural practitioner, because 
you know, before I knew it, I had people of different ages contacting me. Um, so word of mouth can spread. But when I was working in prenatal, postnatal health, so with prenatal, for example, uh, there was a lot, um, definitely collaborative opportunities. So I ran a group, for example, with our local yoga studio, where we had a prenatal wellness package, and they would do three group sessions, I would do three group sessions. I talked about pain management, uh, the science behind pain management. I did more in terms of anatomy and physiology, um, helping them understand their body, basics in terms of pelvic positioning, um, a lot on functional movement, definitely some education in terms of um, like the law of specificity and how that applies to training for delivery. So I was very big on training for delivery. And regardless on how this baby comes out, you need to have endurance, you need to have strength, you need to have flexibility, and you need to be working on mindfulness. Um, so how I would integrate that, and of course, for me, it always came back to their activities of daily living. So for me, it's not just about go to the gym and do three sets of 15 squats. It's about, no, here's what your pelvis is. And even that, a lot of women were like, what? That's my pelvis? Uh, so really empowering through education. And so going back to the squat example, you know, it would be, okay, how can we integrate this like when you're going to sit on the couch can you lower yourself slowly using the alignment tips the biomechanics that we've talked about as opposed to just plopping back and now being in this posterior pelvic tilt um, and not giving baby space to move and setting yourself up for more complications uh, so again a lot of education and always coming back to how this could apply to their activities of daily living so in my prenatal intake form I would have a section on ergonomics, a section on like, give me an idea of your day, how much in terms of movement, position changes are you doing? How much driving are you doing? So I had a few women who would come in, they would be on their feet all day long, or they would be in an office desk. So we would work on creating a program, um, again, to help them in terms of their optimal health and well-being. I had stress management was a big one, chronic pain. So that was another big one. So ergonomics, chronic pain, stress management. I had a number of referrals for carpal tunnel syndrome. So how I was helping, you know, again, this is all OT work. Uh, and so often I hear, but OTs don't work in prenatal, postnatal health. And my eyes bug out a little bit. And I'm like, wait a minute. So are you saying that when you were in school, when you were in university, and you learned about ergonomics, and you learned about functional movement, and you learned about carpal tunnel syndrome, that your professor specifically said, but... If this person is pregnant or if they recently had a baby, you can't work with them. This skill set does not apply anymore. Like we were never told that. And if we were, I want to talk to that educational institutional organization. Um, but it's just a matter of, again, thinking outside the box and taking these, um, like taking these principles and adding a little bit in terms of professional growth and training um, and how it applies to pregnancy. So and then postnatal, so C-section, uh, planned C-sections. I, I definitely had a lot of women come to see me who knew they were having a planned C-section. So what could they do for prehab? What could they do to plan? Um, you know, when we would talk a little bit about inflammation and like a little bit about everything in terms of their recovery and positioning, that first poop after you have a C-section is not, like there are some concrete tips that you can take to make that process easier and most women don't know this it would drive me crazy like just little things that can help reduce those that suffering uh, my mom and baby group was popular I'm not a lactation consultant I'm not a lactation counselor 
have had advanced training in feeding. So at least I could give them some tips to get them set up with a lactation consult. Before we go too far, I need to know if I was a listener, I have to know tips for the first poop after a C-section. So porta potty, uh, not porta potty. Uh, yes, it is the squatty potty. I'm tar- that's what I'm thinking of. So squatty potty. So making sure that your pelvis is in the right position, um, having your knees up. I always do a little bit of education in terms of food to bring to the hospital. Um, because if you're having a ton of sugar, if you're eating hospital food, you're not setting yourself up. Um, I mean, the reality is you've had anesthesia and you are more at risk for constipation, which is not what you want. So really making sure. So I would provide my clients with recipes for high fiber protein balls, um, just giving them some ideas and making sure they know ahead of time, like, hey, this is something you can prepare for. Ask friends and family to bring you in some healthy high fiber food. Uh, So lots of water, um, positioning, and then taking a rolled up towel or a pillow and holding it over your abdomen, over your incision to provide a little bit of external support uh, whenever, but again, get, make sure those knees are above the hips. So I say a, I say a squatty potty, but it can be yoga blocks. It can be a kitchen stool, but really making sure your knees are above your hips when you're sitting on the toilet. Um, hydration, high fiber, and then that external support on your incision makes a world of difference um, because you don't feel like your stomach's going to pop open. Um, it's not a nice feeling. And if, you know, just these little tips, same thing with managing gas after a C-section. Um, like they're, you know, doing, working on your diaphragmatic breathing and chewing gum. Like there are some little tips that, and even knowing what it is, knowing that you're not having a heart attack. Uh, because so much fear comes up around that after a C-section, like, oh my goodness, wait a minute, what is that? Like, why am I getting pain in my shoulders? Um, so I have a lot of women that have expressed a lot of fear around that. Uh, a little bit of education can go a long way, for sure. Thank you. I just needed to know <laughs> once I heard that. So, <laughs> when you were marketing, like, who was your target women? Were you looking for, like, more holistic prevention for prenatal or would people come for something specific dysfunction like incontinence or pain? Um, Definitely after. So for me, educating in terms of sleep um, was a big one because my child was a non-sleeper and I didn't realize how, for lack of a better word, crappy the sleep industry is and how unregulated it is until as a pediatric therapist, I went through it myself. It was really eye-opening. Um, so a lot of people would come to me for sleep because it was definitely one of my, my pillars. Uh, so understanding mother, like maternal infant sleep. Um, I did a lot really targeting women that wanted to be proactive. Like I wanted them to be committed to the process. I didn't want to be, um, like this isn't a mandated service. This is, and the majority of them did not have insurance. So they were paying out of pocket for this. And I wanted women that were showing up you know, that were showing up and wanted to do the work and really wanted to be there. Um, So I put up a sign. I had a clinic uh, that had three doctors that worked just with um, obstetrics, and they let me put a sign up in their bathroom because all pregnant women have to pee. Uh, So that was one of my most popular signs (laughs) where I had a lot of people sign up. And then again, I, you know, I worked with I had an OT reach out just recently, and she said, how did you compete with the doulas, the birth educators, and the midwives? And I said, I didn't compete with them. I targeted, I spoke to my audience, and then I tried to develop a strong referral network. So, you know, I was a referral source for the doula. Uh, the yoga prenatal teacher, I, we teamed up and offered, offered a package together. 
Uh, same thing with a lactation consultant. I used to carry little coupon codes for them. Um, and I realized that's going to depend. Everyone's different in terms of kickbacks, affiliates, like what your regulatory body says about that. So of course, I'll go back to re your regulatory body, um, which again, I have to say in women's health, it's really frustrating because I work with so many OTs whose regulatory body doesn't get back to them. They don't know what to do with them. They don't know what to say. So they just sometimes don't say anything. Um, and being in business is hard enough, let alone when you have all these extra hoops to jump through. Uh, so figuring that out, it's tough. It's so tough. So making sure that for every recommendation, resource, approach, assessment tool, um, just making sure I had the training, the certifications. Um, like I spent thousands in training and certifications in part because I think I was trying to make up for my confidence and laying awake at night with imposter syndrome, worried the, the college was going to knock on my door any day and say, hey, is that really OT? Um, so that's a big part of what inspires me to do the work that I do now is to save some of that anxiety and stress for other OTs um, and really help build their confidence. And like, hey, this is OT. And I can rhyme off 100 OTs like that who are doing similar things. Um, so really to boost that confidence level so that you're not up to all hours of the night um, practicing as defensively as I did. It wasn't sustainable. You know, I'm taking what I, what I learned and what I wish I would have done differently and putting it out there for everyone to see. And that's okay. <laughs> we can learn from my mistakes. That's good. <laughs> Did you get a lot of patients or parents asking for the notes um, so that they could personally bill their insurance for it? I know you didn't take um, it. So I would, so, well, what I would always do is I would always provide a receipt with my license number with the details. So what would be known as a super bill. Um, but I would always provide that and then they can apply for reimbursement. Well, if I haven't said it yet, thank you for doing this because there are so many therapists out here who are just going to benefit so much for you blazing the way. And to mm -hmm. me, women's health felt like something new. And I only really discovered it probably in 2016. And you've been doing this since 2013. Yes. So going back real quick, you mentioned that you were charging less than um, what you thought you probably deserved at the time when you first started off with your brick and mortar. Oh, yes. Do <laughs> you mind touching on the finances a little bit? Um, just sure. Like what you were charging and um, what you think a fair amount would be. Maybe not with somebody with your level of expertise, but somebody who might be kind of to that realm. Um, I mean, pricing is, pricing is interesting and so often in my experience, healthcare professionals are uncomfortable talking about money and uncomfortable charging for our services. Um, so my biggest piece of advice is if you are going into business, you need to invest in yourself in terms of mindset. You need to invest in yourself in terms of personal growth, professional development. Um, so often I see OTs like, oh, I can't spend money on the business coach because I'm taking all this training. And it's like, you know what, no matter how many certifications and how many letters you have after your name, like that's not the root cause. That's not the issue here. Um, you need to be confident in yourself without those letters. And honestly, clients and patients don't even understand what those letters mean. Um, it's really, they're not going to go knocking on your door because you have all these certifications. You still have to get clear in your marketing. And when we look at pricing, I mean, 
Like if I were selling my house tomorrow, I wouldn't come on and ask you, well, how much is your house worth? Because that's going to tell me how much I should sell my house for. Like we're in two different countries. We're in two different geographical regions. Two d- so in terms of pricing, I, I mean, with that being said, I was charging. So I was billing $125 an hour for my pediatric services and for my women's health with more of a wellness approach. I think I was billing 90 an hour, I think. Did I bump that to 105 for an assessment? My assessments were 75 minutes. They were not an hour. And I, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting this already. And I was moving towards a 90 minute assessment because I found I was always going over anyways. Um, and then I was getting away from the hourly rate and moving towards packages. Um, so packages where they had different payment plans and this was included in their package. Because what I found was that even if it, it's never just the hour, there's always the indirect work. There are always the, um, the communication after the questions, creating resources. So that's where I really tried to make it more of a package. And I really liked my group offerings because I was able to create a sense of community for the clients that I had in front of me. And that was really important for me. Um, so for my groups, I think it worked out anywhere from 30 to 40 bucks a session. And I, could, I was taking up to six people. Um, I did couple sessions, so I would do three sets of couple sessions. I think it was $75 a session for my couple sessions, knowing that it was only available to my clients. It was a bonus, uh, and I would do it in a small group as well. Yeah, and it worked. Now, for other OTs, like I can speak about other OTs. I know some are charging $150 an hour. Uh, this is in, like, in other cities. I know some that are charging, well, I would say even more than that. Um, so I would say anywhere between 120, 175 an hour, um, but it's going to depend not just on your skill set, but also, are you in a city of a million people? Um, are you in a town of 14,000 people? Like, where, you know, and what are people paying? Is it low in terms of socioeconomic status, in terms of um, insurance coverage? And I know I focused on prenatal, postnatal. But I also started to venture into workplace wellness consulting. And then I had like started to venture into pre- perimenopause, menopause, um, because you know who is willing to spend money on themselves? The 40 and 50 year old women. Um, so that's where I, st- I had started to make that shift in 2017 and was just taking on um, because I was also working on my women's health coaching through the Integrative Women's Health Institute at that point. And then I had been trained and certified as a restorative exercise specialist through Katie Bowman. Um, But again, my clients didn't know who Jessica Drummond was. They didn't know who Katie Bowman was. Like, they didn't know how much I had been investing in my training. Uh, They just knew me and, you know, what is my message? What is my brand? Um, Yeah, so I still work on it. I still work on branding and clarifying my message. And I think every OT is as well that I'm working with. I gave you a bit of an idea. Yeah, and then workshops. That was perfect. And I like your analogy of not comparing, like, what our house would cost here and what yours would cost there. Cause it's so true. I interviewed with somebody last week and we were talking about the same setting. She lives in Texas in the United States and I live in new England and same setting. There was a $30,000 difference within the same yeah. country. So yeah. it's comparing apples to oranges. I just like to put out numbers into the world. So people understand mm-hmm. There's a really big range and there's a big range. And I mean, not to so many OTs are doing this as a lean startup, meaning they're often trying to grow their business um, while like without a huge 
influx of cash flow. Um, so they don't have this, they're not taking on a loan. They don't have an angel investor. And I know for myself, it wasn't until I was close to the 18 month mark that someone had said, well, it's standard practice. Don't expect to pay yourself for the first 12 to 18 months. And I think I was at month 15 and I looked at them and I said, if someone would have told me that at the beginning, I don't know if I would have done what I would have done. Um, but at that point, I was so far in that I, you know, oh, to be naive, uh, ignorance is bliss is the word I'm looking for. So at that point, I thought, okay, let's just keep going. Um, but the financial piece was tough. And for some OTs, you know, how you like definitely your family finances, if you have any type of savings, if you have any type of investments, um, it can make a big difference. And just, you know, for me now, that's so much of what I do is helping OTs. Um, do you want to be an entrepreneur? Or do you not? Like here's some, like I have a getting started series so that I can like open your eyes and I don't want you to decide five years later uh, when you've invested a ton of money um, that you don't want to do this. So yeah, that's what one of my intro series is about is really helping to highlight all the different pieces that you need to think about because it's not for anyone. It's not for everyone. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go all in in entrepreneurship. You can create your own side, you know, your own side hustle. You can create an online course too. You can create, like you can do coaching or consulting on the side. Um, it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to go all in with a brick and mortar. I think there are so many ways that we can be an entrepreneur now. So I love that you have a program to find out if you want to be an entrepreneur. Do yes. You can send me the link to that and I'll put it in the show notes. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's getting, getting started in women's health, but I've had a couple of pediatric therapists take it as well. And it was just me taking a step back last year because I had so many OTs reaching out and saying, how do I get started? I'm trying to get started. I'm overwhelmed. What should I be looking at? So I just took a step back with my whiteboards and said, okay, if I can do 10 short lessons on what people should know, choosing your business model, knowing your target audience, knowing where to practice, giving you ideas. Um, and really, you know, that was my intent. You can easily complete it in 14 hours, the 10 lessons, and that gives you a bit of time for reflection, your worksheets. And I think at the end, you're either going to come out just, yes, this is what I want to do, or eh, maybe I'm going to rethink this a little bit. Um, and I'm not trying to scare people away at all. If you're going all in on this, I want you to go all in. And if you're on the fence, I want you to figure it out before you invest another $10,000 because the money can go so quickly. Um, and that just adds additional frustrations and stress levels. If we're not sure what we don't want to do when we grow up and we're not bringing in money anymore and we keep putting money out, it can cause some strain in some relationships. Um, for good reason. Yeah. So just to help people figure it out and have a bit more clarity, um, if I can provide that for, uh, yeah, that's what my intro series is all about. So yes, I can send you the link. Awesome. And if somebody goes through your process and they're like, eh, entrepreneurship's not for me, it doesn't mean women's health isn't for them. You can still work in a clinic. Yeah. There are so many options that you can still work in this realm that might Absolutely. feel safer to somebody who maybe is not in the right frame. 100%. Mm-hmm. And I have, I have several clients, um, so coaching clients uh, in my mastermind, who this is what they're doing on the side, you know, this, and it's filling their cup. And the words, you know, oh, it feels so light. It feels so amazing. So they're working their full-time positions, and then they're coming home and putting five hours in on the weekend to create their own masterclass, to create their own workshop series. Um, so, you know, and some of them, 
this is, they're happy with that and that's okay. You don't have, or some of them now are pulling back to do three days a week, four days a week in their job. And this is their side gig. That's okay. Like there's no one or there's no right or wrong way to define success. It 100% depends. So I just should say like I recently went back to work. And when I say went back to work, not as an occupational therapist, I just wanted to get out of the house and have more routine. Uh, so my son's school, they asked me to come in as an occupational therapist. And I said, no. Um, and then they said, well, you come in as an educational assistant in our special needs classroom two mornings a week. And I thought, yes, that's great. I Full disclosure, I'm paid $23 an hour for it. I am so, I just get to play with the kids. It fills my cup. It's what I want right now. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the connection for, my son loves me being, like he's seven. He's not going to love me being around forever. Uh, but right now he loves the days that I go to school and I get that peds fix. Like I love working with kids. Um, so I think we have different reasons for working and that's okay. Like my business isn't a failure because now I have a part-time job for eight hours a week. Um, for me, it's just defining, you know, this is what I want my life to look like and this is what fills my cup and gets me going. Um, and it works, right? So I think just even getting away, because some people think, oh, my business isn't working because, you know, now I'm working part-time. It's like, no, no, the two aren't even connected. And that kind of goes back to like trusting yourself and knowing what's best for you. Kind of been the theme I'm hearing you said most of Yes. I just, so full disclosure, I just turned 40. So I'm also a little bit more confident in like, this is what I want and this is what I'm doing. Um, it comes with the age with that milestone, I think. <laughs> I love it. It's perfect. So um, now's the chance. Can you tell us all about how people can find you and what they can expect when they find you? Sure. Um, so I'm on Instagram, Melissa M. LaPointe, and I just signed up for an Instagram course two months ago. So I'm about to start rocking it with my Instagram stories. Um, so that's why I should do that plug. Uh, MelissaLapointe.com is my website and then I'm on Facebook. So I'm actually getting away from my business page for other strategic reasons that I'm not going to go into right now. Um, but I have a professional account. So Melissa LaPointe, you'll recognize my face. Um, friend requests me. I, yeah, I use it for professional reasons for networking. Um, and then on my website, there are links, like we have the Women's Health OT Business Academy. I'm, I'm in there a lot. Um, so that's our Facebook group. What did I just say the Academy? It, so the Academy people, um, there's like a fee to be admitted. Yes. So we have the free Women's Health OT Facebook group and then ways to work with me. So I have the Women's Health OT Business Academy. So that's a membership-based community. And we did have it set up where you just pay a monthly fee, but we're moving away from that towards an annual fee. And we'll still do payments, but it's going to be quarterly payments. So we're getting away from that monthly fee for different reasons. Um, that I can go into someday when we talk about running a membership model. Uh, so that's a strategic move with my team uh, because anyhow, I won't go into that. But um, so the Women's Health OT Business Academy and Getting Started in Women's Health is our intro series. Uh, so that's a great place to start if you're just getting used to me or getting to know me or getting to know women's health. Um, I have a free resource hub. Um, so that's connected through my website. And Oh, and then Strong Beginnings. We're just reworking my Strong Beginnings perinatal health program. Uh, so that's a six-module course that goes into prenatal health, postnatal health, um, mental health and trauma, foundations and pelvic health from a generalist perspective. 
Uh, so it's a very thorough course. Um, so that one will be available in March. And then I'm not sure when this is getting published, but I actually have a free webinar on February the 19th. And I can share the link with that. Um, for that, but it's uh, the virtual therapist and it's strategies for growing an online revenue stream in women's health. Um, and I say women's health. If you're a pediatric practitioner, well, guess what? You work in women's health. You're working with moms. You're working with dads as well. Um, but so often, mom is making the decisions in terms of healthcare for the family. Mom is the one taking them to their appointments. And I don't want to make a generalist comment. I know there are a lot of dads out there too. But if we're looking at statistics, you're working with the moms a lot. Um, so knowing some of this information can be, a, you know, definitely beneficial to you as well. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. I really can't thank you enough. Mm, you're welcome. My pleasure. I love chatting about this stuff. Um, so thank you for hosting me. It was lovely. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And I hope they have a great week. I just love Melissa's energy. I feel like... She was just like electric to talk to and listen to. She just had a ton of information to share. And if you are thinking about exploring entrepreneurship, this uh, free webinar that she's having on February 19th might be a great way to start. All her information will be posted in the show notes. Have a great week.